You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 64. As human beings, we have a difficult time stepping outside of ourselves, viewing ourselves as a product and describing ourselves in the way that a buyer, quote unquote buyer, a hiring manager of that product thinks. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. All right, all right, everyone. Hello, you have just reached another Local Maximum. Welcome to the show. So today is episode number 64. You know, it's number 64 episode. That number has a big significance to me. Now, I'm not the sentimental type, but <laughs> who am I kidding? I am exactly the sentimental type. So not only is 64 a power of two, but that's actually uh, when I was on Yale Radio co-hosting Max and the Wiz, we also numbered our episodes there. And my last episode on that show was also episode 64, uh, right as I was graduating way back in 2006. So now I have officially done more episodes on The Local Maximum. Fun fact about my guest today, also went to Yale. I've had very few Yale people on the show, actually, come to think of it, surprisingly few. Um, I have had a, a few others, but but uh, the percentage is low. Anyway, as I promised last week, I, uh, I want to round out our series on careers with what might be the most actionable episode of The Local Maximum yet. Today, I'm speaking with Mark Senadella, who is the founder and CEO of Ladders, Inc., a leading professional career site focused on jobs with 100K plus salaries. I uh, start off by asking him how they put their product together in terms of recommender systems and taxonomies, which is always very interesting to me. Uh, but then we tore through my resume, and I, that's my personal resume, the one that uh, the one that I used last year, and I got uh, some advice on how to approach it. And I think that'll help anyone out there looking to change jobs in 2019, as I have already done or whatever year you happen to be listening to this, men and women of the future, uh, you never know. And if that doesn't put me on the spot enough, this is, uh, I, and I don't know how many of you I keep these records around, but I actually dug out my resume from 2007. That's 12 years ago. Holy crap. And uh, we spoke about that as well. So both of these documents and my fixes based on Mark's feedback plus Mark's book, The Ladder's Resume Guide and The Ladder's Interview Guide for 2019, uh, will be linked at localmaxradio.com slash 64. In addition to being founder and CEO at The Ladder's, Mark is also the author of the largest career advice newsletter in the United States, reaching an audience of nearly 10 million weekly. A nationally renowned thought leader on job search, career management, and recruiting, Mark is frequently sought out by national media organizations for his expert commentary on employment and entrepreneurialism. Mark Senadella, welcome to the show. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Max, thanks so much for having me. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. You started The Ladders back in 2003, so it's been quite a while. And the problem, I, I think, you know, you talk about the problem of matching job seekers to jobs to employers. Uh, that's a problem that's always going to be there. It's probably one of the oldest problems in business. 
but the technology changes. So I just wanted to get a sense now that you've been at it for a while, because one thing we do in this program a lot is like kind of tech forecasting. So how did you see this program when you started the company and uh, or, or this problem when you started the company? And what are the major ways that your product is different than it was 15 years ago? Uh, yeah. So the challenge for matching work-related information, you know, the underlying human challenge has always been the same. And then the technology and particularly the interaction between humans and technology is what has been the biggest change over the last uh, 15 years. So from a uh, matching standpoint, uh, this is one of the rare fields where the two things that you're trying to match lie about one another. So when it comes to job listings, most often they're lies. They're maybe not intentional lies, maybe not cruel lies, but the typical job posting in the United States starts off life as a Google search for title job description. So if somebody has been asked to hire a marketing manager, they'll Google marketing manager job description. They will find somebody else's marketing manager job description out there, cut some things off, add some things in and off you go. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned that because when you think about these job searches, you I often hear about the one side, well, so many people's resumes are lies, but you're saying the other side is could be just as bad, the job description side. For, from the point of view of an accurate description of each side, like neither none of the documents used in our field, our domain, are true in any type of sense that you would uh, like to have them be true from uh, from a computer science standpoint you know if you're yeah. if you're trying to find a coffee shop if you're trying uh, if you're trying to find the price of a flight to Paris if you're trying to find the ISBN number of a you know Pulitzer Prize winning novel there are true facts about those there is right. an address there is a price there is a ISBN number whereas in our domain, what is a job? What is a manager? What is an analyst? What does it mean to have had that job? And there, there's just a lot of um, nuance that's caused by the subjectivity of the human beings creating the documents on both sides. Right. And so that was a problem, I'm sure, when you started the company, and it's a problem now. So how has the um, has that problem changed at all in the last 15 years? Or have, has the solution changed? It's uh, the solution, and it sounds obvious to say, but you know, the move to mobile has been a uh, a huge change, and we've seen that happen across all sorts of different fields. The way that computing has become personal uh, has caused an enormous change in how people interact with their devices. So, if we say ten years ago and prior, it was more common that people were uh, searching for jobs online via a desktop. Your desktop computer had a particular distance from you. It existed and it was a part and it was something that you used and you were very interested in, but still it was this appliance that kind of sat somewhere away from you. Whereas your uh, smartphone, you know, from the first day that you got it, it was yours. And the things yeah. that let you do was magic and the photos and the calling and uh, all of the interactions you had with it were, were very different. You know, if you, if you think about at work, if somebody asked you, if somebody was visiting from another office and said, hey, I just got to su- send a um, quick uh, email to, uh, you know, to the Atlanta office. Mind if I borrow your uh, desktop? You know, you'd be a little weirded out, but OK, fine. Somebody can use your uh, can, somebody can use your desktop. 
If they said right. the same thing about your mobile phone, hey, uh, I got to quit, send a quick email to the Atlanta office. You know, you really wouldn't let them. <laughs> like, no, my phone is my phone. This is this is mine. Yeah, I I've and, been asked before. I think everyone's been asked a few times, and it's always like, man, I don't know. <laughs> Especially if it's just someone you don't really know, right? And so that that personal connection that you have with your mobile device means that you'll tell different things to your mobile device than you would to your desktop. And so that has been probably one of the most interesting things for our field uh, in the last five years. What did you find that people were telling their phone? Would this be like telling through an app or actually in terms of interaction? Just their, just their interactions, the types of questions they'll yeah. answer, uh, the extent to which their guard is down. You know, we have a feature on ladders called third page where we just ask questions about work related personality questions. How do you feel about going to work today? Uh, for your next job, how big of a raise do you need? Would you consider 10 grand more in pay for moving out of state? And the typical person who answers one question from the, this third page uh, list of questions answers 121. Wow. And so, you get, and so yeah. we'll just get going on their mobile and they're just kind of like ask, answer, answer, answer. And it gives us a remarkable insight into the user and what their true feelings are about. Are they looking now? Are they looking later? Uh, and what do they hope to achieve? Yeah, you probably have way more. I mean, f from the sound of those questions, it sounds like you have uh, much better insight into being able to match people. Do you have any specific examples of how you could match someone maybe now that you wouldn't have been able to, or maybe a problem you would have been able to avoid now that you have uh, the answers to those questions? Just better able to, uh, it's, well, the humans on the other side are better able, the recruiters and hiring managers are better able to gauge how serious somebody is. Right. So you can kind of see, right. I get those, I get those recruiting emails all the time when they're like, reach out to me, even if you're not serious. And it took me a while to realize that, I mean, sometimes I would reach out, but it would never go anywhere. I'm like, well, cause I'm not really looking, but you, you asked me to reach out to me, even if you're not serious. I sometimes suspect that those recruiters are trying to get people to reach out who are serious, but don't want to admit it or something like that. That's true. It's, it's true. And, uh, you know, the, for most of us, uh, we don't realize when we've started a job search. That's a good point, too. You know, when, 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 you, when you decide to buy a plane ticket to Paris, you've decided to buy a plane ticket to Paris. And there are, yeah. you know, there are things involved with from here to, you know, from you to, from here to you owning that ticket. You got to search a bunch of sites, try out a bunch of different airlines, times, et cetera, et cetera. And you go through those. And at the end, you, you've either, you know, complete, it's binary. You've either completed it or not. Uh, job search often, you know, uh, somebody gets invited to uh, a friend's, you know, cocktail hour or uh, a former colleague says, hey, have you ever thought about working over here? And they find themselves stumbling into a job search. So that fuzzy barrier is something that's been interesting to play with and learn more about here in 2019. So, OK, so I have to ask about the ladders. Uh, well, well, first of all, uh, let's get into a little bit about the um, the the purpose behind the ladders. I'm obviously going to talk to it about it um, in like the, uh, the pre-roll of the show, but um, the ladders is you kind of. So with a hundred K plus hundred K. Yeah. So we focus on uh, careers at the hundred K plus segment that ends so, up being about the top 25% of jobs in the U S. Yeah. So uh, experienced professionals, I guess I, 
Well, kind you know, comes to mind, but not necessarily entry entry level computer science grads from the top ten schools. Yeah, <laughs> not me. Although maybe that was uh, to, um, today. Yeah, 10, 10, 15 years ago. Today, if you're yeah. to, today, you you can really see yeah. that that full you know fully considered that first year package is over hundred grand. So it's everything yeah. from right, uh, right, fully considered. That's yeah, very, very attractive. You know, very, very uh, attractive first year candidates and extraordinarily uh, demanding uh, fields like uh, uh, tech to, you know, three, four, five, 10, 15, 20 year uh, experience, individual contributors of all different types to right. middle management. And, yeah. and, you know, my joke has always been, you know, we're, we're the top 25%, but not the top 1%. Top 1% is uh, 500K plus. That's the guys on corporate jets. We're not the people who, we're not the guys on corporate jets. We're the folks who work for the guys on corporate jets. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I have to ask about uh, this company in terms of a recommendation engine, because this is, uh, you know, a a lot of what I've been working on over the last few years or so um, on and off. I I worked a lot in the Foursquare recommendation engine, uh, now working on the Luminary recommendation engine. Um, So some of these are more heuristic based and some are uh, you know, of the types like the, the recommender systems conference that we talk about are based on machine learnings and these very advanced statistical models. Uh, what do you emphasize in your products when it comes to building the recommendation engine? Do you have some kind of an ML or data science team that uh, works on the product? Uh, y- yes, we do. Our, our core angle on solving search in our area is uh, through a structured taxonomy. So uh, one of, you know, again, starting with the problem that uh, both sides are fibbing in their documents uh, yeah. when they come to us. And, and often they don't even realize they're fibbing. You know, they, they just did the Google search for marketing manager job description. And, you know, it's the best that they can do. Yeah. And uh, compared to other fields, our, you know, a photo of a kitten is a photo of a kitten today and will still be a photo of a kitten, you know, 10,000 uh, 10, years from now. Um Jobs and how we describe them, how we think about them change and it's ever evolving day to day. But on a year to year basis, it changes quite a bit. The, the, the jobs that we would have described in 2009 are quite different than the jobs that we have in 2019. And yeah. our, our users coming to our service uh, are not experts in their in the job search field. Even the HR uh, managers and the, the recruiters. They know how to um, do the one-on-one conversations in order to close a job, but they are not library scientists or taxonomists uh, uh, to any extent. And oftentimes when you ask them, well, what do you, re- what do you search for? They're, they're unable to accurately um, categorize what they do themselves compared to, uh, compared to others, which is all a long-winded way of saying we really focus on uh, building taxonomy. So uh, when you have jobs that uh, focus at the 100K plus level, so we're a specialist that focuses on 25% of the uh, population, probably ends up being it's 25% of the jobs by count. It's probably 20% to 18% of job openings in America at any uh, particular time. And uh, uh, so what we really spend a lot of time doing is categorizing and building systems that get better each year at categorizing in a structured taxonomy, uh, here is what this job's relationship is to all the other jobs that are possible out in this segment in the world. Yeah. So what's 
what are some of the distinctions? I feel like there could be a good example here of some distinctions that a taxonomy would have to make that um, someone might not think about. Um, do you? Uh, I remember at Foursquare, for example, when we were trying to categorize all the foods, and there were often like these animated discussions about, you know, is a you know a breakfast burrito versus burrito. Do you have any equivalent uh, arguments or discussions when it comes to? categorizing jobs at uh at the ladders so the 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 right what, what's a sandwich isn't that the class yes oh yeah the yeah classic one like is it a hot dog is a sandwich right hot dog sort of sandwich thing. that's a that's <laughs> genius yeah the um i mean the difficulty is always in the emerging fields uh, uh i think product manager has settled down a bit and and uh is becoming more and more clearly a technology um sub-segment but even today, and particularly in New, you know, and there are regional variations. Uh, even today, in New York City versus uh, you know the West Coast, uh, a lot of people still view product management uh, product management as a um, subcategory of arts or design rather than hmm. of a, a, a technical field. Yeah. Uh, so that's been kind of the classic one uh, for us. Overall, uh, we categorize jobs into one of ten roles. And they end up being fairly large roles. You know, marketing media design is a, is a pretty large uh, bucket. And we, we find that still with that, 3 to 4% of jobs uh, you know, fit into more than one of those buckets. Um, so like sales and finance, there really are people at the very high end of finance who are truly salespeople and are truly finance people. Uh, right. And those are just, you know, that, that's the difficulty of any taxonomy. Uh, there are you're either a lumper or a splitter, and uh, you know either you lump things together into you know a larger categories, but a, a smaller number of categories, or you're a splitter and you split it into as many as you possibly can. From are you talking a, about two different directions you can go with your yeah. taxonomy, or two yeah. different? That's uh, different types. directions that people can go, but yeah. but when it comes to putting it into a, a, a UX, you know, lumping ultimately kind of wins out at some level. You can't have a thousand different primary categories in your uh, taxonomy and expect uh, the typical user to go through them. Uh, so we've got uh, 10 roles. Within those roles, we've got 73, what we call 73 specialties. And within those specialties, we have uh, a little over 3,000 canonical titles. So every job that we see gets matched to one of those, uh, one of those titles. Yeah, so I have to bring up uh, some topics that come that that have come up on, on previous episodes of the Local Maximum because we've been talking a lot on the show about data science and specifically data science as a title. So in episode fifty-seven, I kind of lamented the fact that data science job title is really confusing right now, and that's why. Well, I've been sort of calling myself a machine learning engineer, but the thing is still happening with that title as well. And this could happen. This could mean so many different things. It could mean uh, an engineer. It could mean an analyst. It could be someone who's building products versus someone who is providing insights to management. Sometimes in startups, a data scientist is all of those things. Yeah. So a month ago, I spoke to Hillary Mason on the show as episode 60 and probably one of the most she's probably one of the most prolific conference speakers for data science about that. And she even wrote um, she even wrote articles, you know, back in 2010 to finding, you know, what is a data scientist? And I asked her, you know, what is happening on this? And she says, well, 
you know, data science is really the convergence of several jobs that had been j done for several decades before that could now be fit into one job. And it could also fit into many places in organizations. So that's why it's really confusing people. And I hope I summarized what she said correctly. But my question for you is, um, is, is this a particular title that you guys have looked into? What... Um, <laughs> What do you see as the problem around that particular title? And are there other ones that are, are similar to that? Uh, yeah. You know what the title data scientist means? It, mean, it means what? about 30 grand extra to a statistician. <laughs> okay. From, from, well, then, a, from, a, yeah. from a jobs guy, uh, that might be the joke. Um, yeah. Look, that's a perfect example. And maybe where we are on data scientists today is where we were on product manager five years ago. These, emergent, these emergent fields haven't really discovered what they are yet. Um, yeah. And I think we don't, you know, we're learning what a data scientist is and what a data science, uh, science organization is and what that means. You know, at some level, we're not actually interested in the, you know, uh, epistemological truth about what is data science. What we're interested in Well, well you is, can't because you don't know which direction it's going right. to go in. But what we're interested yeah. in is that when we, when we call something data science, the we call it accurately enough so that the people on both sides to the greatest degree possible, uh, categorize similar things into that into that bucket. But that's an example. You know, we typically uh, we actually have uh, our specialty in that regard is called data science and machine learning. Is how we yeah. settled it today. Okay, okay, that makes sense. I would fit in that bucket. Uh, okay, another one I wanted to ask you, and I want to talk about careers. We have two episodes in a row related to careers, which is uh, which is great. I think this is these topics are something that that so many people are are searching for answers on and information on. Um, and we talked about a few fears last week in, in my interview over at uh, Union Square Ventures with Bethany Crystal, and and one is the fear that. Um, you know, one's career is th there's at some point going to be nowhere to go. Like you kind of reached a plateau and that's it. I have nowhere else interesting to go from here. And then another one is just a career cliff where your job becomes obsolete and then you're out of luck. Um, I could just say from personal experience, I know like a lot of people feel like they're on a plateau um, and everyone's really, really worried about the cliff. I haven't actually spoken to a whole lot of people who say they've experienced this where they just can't work anymore. Yeah. But um, but it, this is something that's come up again and again and again. You know, what happens when my job gets automated? Not really so much among engineers and data scientists, but but it's just something you hear, you know, in the news or just people concerned about all the time. What would be your broad advice to someone who wants to avoid these outcomes? Sure. If you're the type of person who's listening to uh, podcasts on uh, data science, you're probably two to three decades away from really having to be <laughs> yeah. concerned with that issue, just to be honest with you. Uh, you know, the, the real Well, but not, not everyone who listens to this podcast uh, is, is in the field of data science. Sure, Sometimes sure. they just want to hear, you know. Yeah, I mean, they, they, that's a, look, uh, age discrimination exists in this country, um, and it's really true. I was surprised by how much it, it does when I got into the field. Well, uh, that could be, and, unfortunately, that could be why I'm not hearing so much yeah. specific examples about that. Um, so like in, in your 50s, if you're in sales and marketing today or accounting, yes, you run into it uh, a lot. In tech, you probably run into it in your uh, 40s, in some cases, 30s, in uh, particularly yeah. hot uh, uh, segments. Uh, not going to spend too much time on that, but just like in general, the the bias against age is the, is the bias against mindset. 
the fear that people have when hiring people whose you know, skills have topped out or they haven't grown is that they, they don't grow anymore. What companies have learned is, uh, look, in order to stay competitive, we have to always be ready to pick up the next latest trend and succeed, regardless of whether we think it's a great idea or a bad idea. And what companies have learned over time is that flexibly minded people who are open and curious and collegial do better in that environment than the alternative. So uh, really like the, hey, am I going to be, you know, uh, is my job going to be taken over by a, a computer? You know, yes, to the extent that you don't behave in ways that computers can't by being curious, always learning new things, finding ways to uh, make yourself uh, novelly, you know, um, attractive and useful to your organization. Uh, perhaps the greater one for folks uh, listening to this podcast is, I've been in this three years or seven years or 12 years. I've done a lot. I feel like I've kind of, uh, I've reached a local maximum, right? Um, yes, exactly. Exa- exactly. That is a function of, you know, uh, career satisfaction and how, uh, how, how close you've let yourself, you know, drift to burnout. Um, uh, another thing I think people might feel when they, they've reached a local maximum in their career, which is, by the way, a perfect way to put it. I always try to bring it back to that, but I, for some reason, slipped my mind, um, is, you know, and, and we could talk about this in terms of resume writing later, but people feel like they're kind of pigeonholed into one particular role. And then it's like, how can I how can I branch out beyond that role in my next job without having um, recruiters and algorithms constantly put me into that one box that I've been in and I'm probably best at in the short term? Uh, yeah, it's, it, it's by putting together your marketing documents, a resume is a marketing document, putting together your marketing documents so it focuses on your... Uh, curiosity, success, and ability to contribute across a, a wide variety of areas, and not letting yourself not letting yourself get pigeonholed. Okay, so I, th- in that case, I just want to re- uh, turn to the resume question um, because you've written a lot about resumes. Most people in this audience have a resume, or if they don't, they either used to have one or they sure. will have one in the future in some form. Um, and your most recent article on this is about the biggest mistake that people make on their resumes. So could you kind of summarize this article for us before we move on? Sure. And I've, you know, I've got, um, uh, I've also written Ladder's 2019 Resume Guide, which is the best-selling uh, resume book out there. And uh, just overall, a lot of people think that, uh, look, a resume is this document about me. And uh, it's my yeah. chance to kind of summarize everything that there is to know about me in a neat little biographical package and hand it over to uh, the world in order to get the hosannas and Kudos and congratulations that I so richly deserve. And that's just not true. A, a resume is a marketing document. A resume is an advertisement for you to get interviews for a job that you can succeed in. And so advertisements, and if you think about all the great advertisements that they are, that there are, uh, advertisements are very effective at selling a particular product in order to fill whoever's viewing that advertisement, in order to fill who that viewer's needs. So you need to think about your resume as who, you know, who is the boss that I want to have? And then what does she or he need next? And how can I have my resume persuade them or inform them that I'm the right product, if you will, to, uh, to solve their ongoing problem? So, you know, we, 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 there's not too many documents that we end up writing about ourselves. So oftentimes we, we can kind of stumble into this 
oh, look, this is my, this is my chance to have an A&E biography about myself, or uh, this is my entry in Wikipedia. And that's really not what it is. You really got to focus it on what types of jobs am I interested in? What are those, what are those hiring managers looking for? And then how can I show that I have that? Okay. So now we're going to have some fun with my resume because I feel like this is sort of what I did. <laughs> the, uh, the, just my autobiography. Um, but yeah. of course my caveat is I didn't really, I haven't needed a resume to, um, everybody needs a resume, Max. No, no. I mean, okay. But <laughs> I was able to talk to a guy who writes books about resumes. I'm going to, of course. I'm okay. Well, that. Correct that. How am I, how am I wrong about that then? I mean, I, I could get into the in-person interview without giving them a resume. That's true. So, that, that's true. You're, yeah. you're, you're uh, that's what I meant. right. Um, uh, in particular fields where when, once you've built up a, uh, a reputation, that's, that, that's true. Most people, that's not the, uh, most people, that's not the case. Yeah. yeah but it's still good to have one. I mean, I still yeah. need it for, you know, if I'm, it's a good thing to have, you know, if I'm giving talks or yeah. um, bios or something. Well, the bio is a little bit different, yeah. but um, yeah, it. it um, so, if but, you were, so if you were uh, yeah. looking, and let's say you know for whatever reason you picked up and you moved all the way around the world to a place where you don't have your network, uh, yeah, Australia, I'm guessing, and you landed in Australia okay. and you needed a, a resume. Uh, look, what what I'd advise you is um, uh, it. It's a it's a marketing document and what you need to do is, is in the shortest amount of space possible in your case about, you know, two pages, uh, bring across what is it that you can do for, uh, for people. So the recommendation is there's a top section with, uh, three or four lines of phrases that include job titles that you might want to have data scientist, chief data officer, um, VP of machine learning, uh, achievements that you've had um, uh, in your field and skills that you bring to the table that are most relevant at your particular level. You don't want to have skills that were relevant five years ago for somebody at a more junior level, and you don't necessarily want to have the aspirational skills five years from now that you don't yet uh, possess. Uh, And then within that, I guess the next two bits of advice that are probably most salient for the audience are, uh, look, you've got about 25 bullet points. Uh, Every bullet point has to have uh, a success verb. And that, that means either something grew or shrank or improved or got better uh, because you were there, a success yeah. verb and a number. So uh, grew uh, site visits 79% by improving the uh, you know, machine learning backend. Uh, reduced uh, cycle time on reviewing data by 58% through application of whatever the latest technology is. Yeah. Always showing with a success verb, something changed successfully because of you and a number, a number, a percentage or a dollar sign. You know, that's my standard bog standard advice. If you have 25 bullet points on your resume with a success verb, something got better or or improved or something that was worse got uh, better because you were there and it has a number, your resume just it, it changes the way your whole resume reads. So it's like I've right because then then you can go through each one and yeah. so long as you could justify each one it's like okay right. so I, like your two, your 2018 CV and this is a bit, it is a bit more of a CV which is a yeah a CV grew out of the uh, sort of picking curriculum. yeah what, what does that even mean curriculum, <laughs> curriculum vitae and it, it grew yeah. out of a more of a, uh, a European academic setting in the first uh, part of the 20th century and, and, okay. and CVs were designed to be you know much less salesy than. Uh, than American business demands. 
It's right. for a different world. So look, you do, it is a CV and it's very, um, you're very gentle with uh, presenting your Foursquare experience and you list a number of the things that you did at, at Foursquare. Yeah. Um, and for an academic or for a speaking uh, CV, that's fine. But if you were dropped in Australia and, hey, Max, you got to go to a job, what I'd tell you is, look, go, let's walk through over your, uh, what was it, six years at Foursquare? Over your uh, yeah, years, seven and a half. Yeah. Over your seven and a half years at Foursquare, I want 14 specific things that got better in dollars or numbers or percentages because you were there. Okay. Like, um, you know, I'm like, uh, I, I mean, what your favorite talk was that? Uh, it's we tried tons and tons of things and the numbers were, <laughs> the numbers didn't go up in 90% of them. <laughs> but that's sort of what it's like being a data scientist sometimes. Right. But something's got uh, better or in, in some, sure. uh, and you, you, you ingested more data, you, uh, rebuilt systems to improve, uh, improve, uh, uh, throughput times, uh, efficiency got better. Um, the number, I see. Right. The number of people that was required. You know, what the, about the, the, like getting things launched, like getting products and product features launched specifically? Like, how well, like you... what's successful about that? You know, um, so, so that's launch, a good question. Launch, I mean, launched Facebook 2014. Right. To the guy in well, Australia, meh, or, or launched Foursquare 2014. Meh. Yeah. What do I care? What I want to know is that Foursquare 2014 Change the outcome of the business somehow, and it did something better. Now, okay, uh, so it, it could be dealing with uh, with engine. It, you know, um, it's hard with, to put a dollar sign on some of these uh, numbers, and a lot of times the uh, the user numbers are not something that I have like access to now, or can attribute like causality to to what I did specifically. So it's I, I'm sure I could think of something, but it's not that easy. Yeah. So uh, you're at one of your talks, your famous talk is uh, one of your famous talks. There's a lot of them is the um, the most hated place in the uh, on the planet was the Moscow airport. Was it? Uh, No, it was the uh, the passport office, I think. Passport office in Moscow airport, Uh, you know, uh, successfully identified whatever you want to call it. Most hated place on the planet. uh, Moscow passport office through use of da, 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 da. Um, hey, right. you identified it. There it is. Uh, and you had to tr- you had to trundle through what 10, 10 million, 10 billion, yeah, user uh, reviews to get there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, more like million, more like yeah. uh, probably 10, twenty to fifty. Yeah. Uh, so that I would find things like that. And, and look, um, so people in sales and marketing and uh, kind of business facing part of the organization uh, end up doing they they can do reasonably well at this. People who are you know behind the scenes, attorneys, accountants, uh, engineers. Uh, this is not their native language when it comes to uh, to writing resumes. But yeah, you know, like I guarantee you, if you and I sat down for uh, forty minutes, uh, I could just you know we went through some document that had all the things that you had worked on over the last uh, uh, seven years at Foursquare. I could elicit from you in forty minutes. 14 bullet points that were numerical and had uh, a success and we're not giving away proprietary information for your employer. Right. It's interesting. Like, so in my last couple of years at Foursquare, I was working on an an enterprise product uh, ad attribution. And it was like, like I could talk about sales there, but I don't really think I was that um, 
like I, I wasn't I was involved in the fact that I was making the product better and consulting with sales so they could sell more, but I wasn't really <laughs> you know, it was it's hard to um it's hard right. to put a direct line there. Sure. How many year, how many years were you working on the enterprise product? Uh two and a half. Yeah. And uh how many different times did the salespeople come to you and say, Hey Max, could you just do this? Um Dozens. all the time. Yeah. Right, all the time. Uh you know, you could say built dozens or built hundreds of improvements in the uh, in the product based on uh, sales organization feedback that enabled ten percent, hundred percent, thousand percent revenue growth over my time period on the product. Um, okay. And then if you if you had if you could name two or three of those again that aren't proprietary uh, or any type of confidential information, that looks great. And just overall, what you want to do, what you want to do over and over again at your, you know, during your job search in Australia, there, Max, is uh, is find ways. You keep putting me in Australia. I've never been there. It no, that's, like well, I'm, I'm taking you away from <laughs> your amazing network. Um, yeah. Okay. What you want to do is show that you understand uh, when you sit down to think about it and give it your your full consideration how your work improves the organization so the organization can be more successful. Because ultimately, businesses are businesses in every organization are judged by the numbers. They either they yeah. got more revenues, they reduce their uh, costs, they got more customers, they increase their budget. Whatever it was, you can describe organizational success in terms of numbers. And there is no role inside of any company anywhere on the planet that cannot be described with due consideration in terms of numbers. And let me tell you, I've had I've had everybody try with me. You know, I hear that for everybody else's field that works, but for my field and the fill in the blank, that doesn't really make sense. And there's just there's no there is no role on the planet that can't be described by numbers. Yeah, well, it's it's amazing to me, or embarrassing maybe, but it's like uh, the field that I'm in is so numerical, and yet we have such a hard time coming up with these. Um, coming up with these metric stats that would that would work on the resume. Well, that's uh, look, uh, uh, HR is involved in hiring and sometimes right. they are the worst at putting together resumes. It's how mm-hmm. uh, you know, attorneys are their own are, are the worst clients and doctors are the worst patients. Um, yeah. the things that make you successful at uh, manipulating or professionally working with a particular field might not be at all associated with the things that make you great at describing yourself in terms of that uh, field. So it happens to it happens to everybody. Yeah. Which, okay. That's which a- is why. Which is why I name my 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 uh, resume guide the last 2019 resume guide because there was a 2018 resume guide. There's going to be a 2020 resume guide, and there's going to be a 2098 resume guide. This is this ongoing uh, thing because we have a dif- as human beings we have a difficult time stepping outside of ourselves viewing ourselves as a product and describing ourselves in the way that a buyer, quote unquote buyer, a, a hiring manager of that product thinks. And it okay. happens at every yeah. level. I, I've had people uh, you know, uh, in my office who make 20 grand a year and they have the same problem describing themselves as somebody who makes 2 million bucks a year. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to give myself some homework here. I'm going to try to take my four square career and I'm going to try to uh, build those bullet points, like you say, and I'm going to put it in the show notes page All right. of the show. Um, also on the show notes page of the show, just because I want to embarrass myself further, 
I'm going to post my 2007 resume, which is like one year out of college, um, because I know there are a lot of people listening and probably a lot of people stumbling on the program who are earlier in their careers. um, And I think this interview is going to be very helpful for them. So how do you, when you're at that stage, how do you uh, kind of emphasize everything that you've done without sounding desperate in in a word? Yeah, look, um, the, the people who do this for a living on the other side, uh, there's typically a, a, a junior HR resume screener, somebody who's 23 years old. There's a uh, recruiter or HR person who's you know five to 15 years into their career. And then there's the hiring manager. You just have to remember that your, your audience, what they're currently doing right now is looking through piles and piles and piles of resumes in order to try to find the talent that they need to be successful in 2019 and 2020. Uh, so if you have some empathy and sympathy for them and think about it from their point of view, it's actually an easier problem. So they're mm-hmm. looking to hire somebody. And if you're one year into your career, they're looking to hire somebody who's bright, curious, you know, coachable, uh, able to learn new things, able to get along in an organization and able to ship when their dev manager told them. So if you're a year into your career and you, you've got it correct here, you've got your uh, education at the top, your education will typically stay at the top of your resume for the first three or five years out of college. And then it makes this you know, long migration down to the bottom of your resume. Oh, that's actually exactly what I did. I didn't even notice that. No, you didn't. Uh, you didn't. Yeah. Um, that's, what ha- that's what happens. Because what, you know, over time, what became more important about describing Max Sklar was your success in the workforce versus right. your training prior to the workforce. So uh, it's right to have your education up here at the top. You know, what I would have liked to see, you know, for the 2007 Max was something about what you did at Wireless Generation. Um, I see. You've yeah. got the program experience in here, but uh, were you working by yourself? Were you working in a team? You know, in, in, in a year into your career, you might say shift 74, you know, features over the course of the year. Um, yeah. Uh, um, I, I refactored a C++ code base, I remember. Yeah. Uh, well, and how many? And, and it went from how many lines of code to how many lines of code? You're, you're, I think I remember it went to three hundred. It might have been like several thousand. Right, that's great. Yeah, refactored a code base from several thousand to three hundred lines of code. Yeah. Uh, you might say regularly hit one hundred percent of sprint completion goals. You know, mm-hmm. numbers that kind of show that you're the type of person one year and two years out of school who does the type of things that people one year and two years out of school that are successful do. Is how you want to, is what you want to put on your resume and numerically quantify it. All right, I think that's really great advice. Um, I want to wrap up here to see a if you have any closing thoughts on this, and uh, b if you can kind of send people obviously the ladders, uh, but anything else of yours that uh, you would like people to check out. Basically, any links and stuff, and I'll put all of those on the page for the program. Uh, sure. The, the books are probably, the books are five bucks each on Amazon are probably the best place to go. If you're, uh, I've got, you know, Lander's 2019 resume guide is really for people 10 plus years of their career. Lander's interview, 2019 interviews guide probably works for anybody, um, who's, uh, going to do an interview and they're designed to be 90 minute reads so that you don't have to spend a whole weekend learning how to do, uh, do this type of thing. Uh, look, you know, 2019 is a great employment year. The amount of stress that, most people have in the job market is, you know, choosing from a cornucopia of uh, options and uh, uh, variety. And it's a very, very different market than, say, 10 years ago in 2019. 
So, um, you know, 2019, 2019 and 2020 is a great time for people who are three, five, eight years into their career to try to take a um, uh, unfair step forward. So if you're, you know, a dev manager hoping to get to director, or if you're a lead engineer hoping to get to dev manager, companies are really willing, they're really looking to hire, they're really looking to add, uh, add folks, and they're willing to make a stretch on the requirements that 10 years ago, maybe they would have kept really uh, tight to. Um, so if you think that you, hey, maybe, you know, now is a time in a career that I'm interested in reaching a little bit farther than maybe what on paper I quote unquote deserve, this is a year to do it. Ah, that's, uh, that puts, that's going to get people, put a little fire uh, under people, I think, for this year. All right, Mark, thanks for coming on the show. Max, thank you so much for having me. This has been a great. All right, remember to check out localmaxradio.com slash 64 to see all of that. Next week, I hope to return to form with Aaron back on the show, and we'll be tackling the question of estimating the probability of an event that has never occurred, plus some tech news updates, whatever we feel like talking about. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. Remember to check out the website at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, or ask a question that I can answer on the show, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. This show is available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and more. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe to The Local Maximum on one of these platforms and to follow my Twitter account, at Max Sklar. Have a great week. Feel the power. And she said, I don't care what you say. You're going to see me shine.